Welcome back to another evening of Scott Shower. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right. Well, first of all, thank you to all of our subscribers on YouTube and Rumble and all of our podcast platforms. We greatly appreciate all of you. If you do like our contact, our content, please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast on any one of those platforms. And also, please leave us some comments. We'd love to hear from you guys and also communicate with everyone. Uh, tonight's... Uh, <laughs> Tonight's uh, episode here, I think uh, we'll have a pretty good lineup. We have our Torah Vague, right? Did I get that right? Torah Vague? Torah Vague is how I understand Okay, they so like Tor- to be called. <laughs> Torah Vague! <laughs> Torah Vag. No, I'm sorry. So Torah Vague 2017 Legacy. Uh, then we have the uh, our shout-outs and get-it-togethers. Um, then from there, we have a restaurant view, which is the Rock Restaurant and Bar. Followed up by our smart challenge being Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Scott Episode 109. 109 is the Torah of 2017 single malt scotch whiskey from the Isle of Skye. This is part of their legacy series, and it is an interesting legacy, if nothing else, because in part, there's some open windows in this legacy. Uh, There are some vacated spots. So before 2017, for a span of time, it had been closed as it was uh, renovated and reopened in 2017. This is part of their reopening venture. So this is the beginning of uh, one of the oldest licensed distilleries on the Isle of Sky, the second oldest, as a matter of fact, um, reopening to bring out a Sky Scotch or whiskey. One of the things that's interesting about that to me, my favorite up until now, who knows, may remain the same, may change, we're about to find out, is the Talisker Scotch Whiskey from the Isle of Skye. Uh, typically fairly peated, absolutely delicious. And now this Torah Vague, and that BH is... Uh, it comes out like a V as they pronounce it. Uh, and then the A-I-G-A-G-E is how it comes out in English, American English, Torah Vague. Uh, it's going to be an interesting trip to enjoy this scotch, uh, which, man, really started rekindling their interest in the scotch world in 2013 yeah there's definitely some open windows obviously uh since uh, i think it must have shut down and when they did do the renovation from my understanding is that they used uh some of the stone from a fallen castle so they there's a fallen castle there right near the bay and then they used that to help build uh one of the buildings and it took them four years to do this uh restoration so um with that uh it it seems like uh even though it's been around or it's been licensed as you will uh, you know as the second oldest on sky uh it appears that it's basically because it has been renovated um and they use something like they also restored some of the old brass uh steels that uh, it's kind of almost a fairly new 
uh, distillery house, I would say, um, even though it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Ah, uh, man, you mentioning using bricks or stones from a castle made me immediately jump to Highlander. There can only be one Highlander. <laughs> of course, this is an Isle of Sky, so it's not a Highlander scotch, uh, but we will see shortly what those differences do involve. <laughs> and the, like all, like, uh, like every, like, you know, distillery, they, uh, they do pull from a, uh, a select uh, water source between two areas, um, which is uh, all I, I, I'm probably going to butcher this, but Alt Brioc and Alt Glen. Uh, and then that's where they get this, their so-called pure water source from. And this, the select is drawn from a select a batch of the 100 top barrels of their scotch uh, from 2017 and it is aged in oak casks sitting at a 46% ABV so not uh, lean on the alcohol content. I say we go straight to it revisit the Isle of Sky so second after Talisker, this license, Tora Vague. Uh, the box itself, fairly handsome. I actually dig the colors, the presentation. Uh, I think most males will find it attractive. Very blocky, sharp angles, squares, rectangles, not a whole lot of fluid lines that usually the female eye is more attracted to. The bottle itself, not round, more squared than not. And much like the bottle, it has those same blocky label marks uh, with the Toravag shaped by sky uh, and the 2017 legacy series so pretty interesting it does seem fairly light on the eye through the bottle uh, but man I love how well and passionately if you will how uh, in depth they did stamp the foil on the top of that lid. I'm going to jump right into this once I find the opening spot. <laughs> That's what she said. And the foil, nice thick foil. Uh, actually, really thick foil. Well perforated. All right, plastic or wooden top. Wooden top. Pressed oak. Cork or oak? Uh, pressed cork. Pressed cork. Smells nice. Hopefully it is nice. <laughs> I know this. This was not an inexpensive dram. Uh, it wasn't also necessarily like hefty on the wallet, but it was not cheap. And with that... We are off to warp speed. Warp speed in our tasting notes. Tasting. Cheers. Torvag. 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 All right, Torvag. Uh, for being a relatively, uh, I guess, 
newer scotch house i would say even though like it's been around and it's been been re, been refurbished and all that they're technically a new scotch house in, in my opinion literally but, i think this is the first year they've come back out with a scotch so you're 100 yeah. percent correct so i think i might have been a little bit more lenient in my scoring because of that uh because i think there's a lot of potential here um when i smell the when i do the aroma um, I'm getting like some uh, citrus notes with a uh, sea breeze, a little bit of vanilla, along with an ever so slight hint of peat. And it's a really kind of mild aroma. It's like it took a little while for me to even to start uh, picking out any of the uh, of the nuances from the nose there. And uh, I find it like really nice, light and refreshing. Uh, to me, this seems like very much like a summertime scotch, uh, which would be something that I, I, I could I could see myself enjoying this on a nice summer day. Um, now, going with that into the palette, um, I didn't talk about the color here, but I'll go back to that in a moment. But the palette here, I got like I had a hard time with this too because um, it's to me it's a very light body. Maybe I guess someone could say it's medium body because there is a little bit of body there, but I find it to be a little bit more on the light bodied side. I find it kind of more of a refreshing type of uh, very quaffable type of scotch, um, something that you're not going like, to get like inundated or nothing is going to like super like point itself out in this one here or over or overcome your any one of your uh, taste buds or senses with it with a certain flavor, but. With this, uh, initially I get this nice vanilla pear sweetness when it first hits my palate. And then from there, it kind of gets this nice briny sense, which I do enjoy from like nice scotches like, um, like Talisker or even like Oban. So it has that nice briny sense there. But then like near the, near like the mid to back palate, I start getting a spiciness. I'm not really quite sure if it's like a crackle pepper or more of a cinnamon, but I'm kind of thinking I'm leaning more towards a cinnamon because as I go into my finish, I get hints of once again, uh, kind of like a, like a, uh, uh, like, like charred, uh, oak with uh, some apple uh, and once again the brininess but the apple with the brininess you get like a sweet apple uh, cinnamon kind of flavor that kind of lingers and I really enjoy that actually um, the color very light very clear I put it as like a light straw color and um, the presentation, I wasn't a big fan of the presentation. Like I like the, I, like don't get me wrong, I love I love the colors, I love the blue, I love the the darker color. I think that's black. If I my eyesight's not too terribly shot, it's almost black. It's like a super dark teal. Okay, so I do like the color. What what really bothers me about the presentation, and maybe this is because uh, <laughs> some of the work that I do, which is a. Uh, Instructional design I'm, work. I'm curious. I'm, I'm just, I think I'm going to mark the same thing. I, I just don't like, uh, I don't like a lot of, like uh, a lot of words and stuff on there. So it looks, makes the box looks, uh, looks too busy and not super eye appealing to myself. Um, and same with the labeling. I wasn't quite exactly, 
I mean, I, I see what they're doing. I love I love the shape of the bottle. I think the shape of the bottle is cool. But the labeling, I'm not really sure I like the whole split labeling thing there. And once again, I like something that's a little bit less uh, busy and a little bit more eye-appealing um, and open. Yeah, I think Delmore. <laughs> so presentation, I probably could have knocked it at like, a, like a, another point here. But uh, like I said, I think since this is the first time coming out, they're trying to be different. I do like the fact that they use a wooden top. Uh, so I gave them a three out of five. So I wasn't too harsh on them. I think if they've been around a little bit longer, I might have been a little bit more harsh on that. Uh, the color. I'm trying to break out of the mold of my like <laughs> a light color Your equals a one. Skin. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> uh, so here um, I like the kind of clarity of the light colored gold. Um, so I gave it a, I gave it a four. Once again, I could have easily knocked this down to a one. Uh, and uh, and so, but I'm I'm trying to ex- explore my my point system with like the coloring of scotches and I'm not really sure I found like a really good warm uh, middle ground for myself yet uh, as far as like because like first I started off with a really rigid if it's light colored it's one if it's dark colored it's five uh, but now I'm trying to like experiment here with my with my point system and I haven't quite figured out like what's a good middle ground for me so I kind of I might have like I said I probably overshot this by giving it a four on the color easily could have given it a one uh, if I went back to my old system, <laughs> then our scores would have been closer. <laughs> <laughs> our scores probably would have been like a lot closer. Because uh, right now we're probably talking about like uh, four points off of what I have. So, <laughs> uh, so I like I said, I was a little bit lenient on those two. I think uh, the aroma. I actually thought the aroma was okay. My only issue with the aroma is that it was just so subtle. And so light that it took a little time for me to uh, really actually kind of get any of the nuances out of the aroma. Uh, and here, once again, I probably could have given it another one or two points down. Uh, but I gave it, you know, a little bit of the uh, benefit of the doubt here. So I gave it 25 points. Uh, the palette. I actually really enjoyed the palette. I did like the vanilla pear sweetness with the little brininess. And uh, the uh, the back, the starting of the finish, uh, being with that cinnamon kind of spiciness. And so here I gave it a 26. Um, and then on the finish, I did like the charred, uh, charred oak with the salty cinnamon apple, I guess you would say, because I put the brine apple and cinnamon there. And I actually liked that finish. It wasn't like, it wasn't overly spicy, but it wasn't too sweet. And it wasn't like, overly uh woody either so here i gave that another 26 that gives me a total of 84 points if my mathematics are correct we know that i screw up with math because math right if math is right math is math because math <laughs> so i gave it 84 points but like don't don't hold this as a like a word of god type of thing here this could have easily been way lower in the 70s as well uh, there's a lot of like flu- fluidity here, I think, in this in, in this particular scoring, as opposed to like some of the other ones I, I've done in previous weeks. Uh, would I take this to a black tie affair? No, I would not. Uh, would I take this to a uh, poker game? Yeah, I'd take it to a, bo- a poker game because um, I'm not going to be taking it to a poker game to really impress any of the guys. You know, I'm just going there for a fun time playing. You know. 
playing some cards or whatnot. Would I um, share this with a friend? Sure. This is something I could easily pull off the shelf and share it with a friend. <laughs> uh, would I would I keep it on my shelf? I, I don't know. It has a place. I'm not sure if that place is necessarily on my shelf, but <laughs> it's got a place. Not on my shelf. <laughs> but here's the thing: is like once again, I could see this being a very easy like summertime or barbecuing type of a uh, scotch where if it's kind of a hot day like maybe like you know mid 80s or higher this could be a very easy scotch to to drink and so therefore it could you know maybe like during the summertime i could see it maybe on my shelf as opposed to the winter time this is not something i probably would drink during the winter much like yourself i'm a little torn with this scotch but i did not give it any graces um, based on this is their first or one of their first couple years since they have reopened. And if they're like us, they like feedback. And then if they're like us, hopefully we use it, right? <sighs> so for me, first off, presentation. Three, there's no surprise there, much like Noah. I love the colors. The colors are great. A little bit busy on the box. And then it just killed me. It literally killed me that the labels are not level that one is higher than the lower just slightly and they have may have actually intended that because of the way the box is it may be intentional but for me it's not intentional enough or it's a, a mistake so slant it even more make one longer make one shorter but don't have them be the same size and one off by a literal millimeter it's literally killing me there um it just looks at me it, in the eye and it makes me think sloppy so presentation it doesn't break the bank with presentation super doesn't make it sexy um i was torn between a two and three i gave it a three just because the colors they won with the colors so as i'm walking by even though i'm distracted by all these unnecessary words um they could have all been put on the back of the box like all this unnecessary business on one side um, but the colors one, three color for me, much like Noah. I do love a darker dram. However, um, the lighter dram doesn't bother me. And so for me, four out of five, uh, I love the platinum blonde of this scotch. And uh, so for color, it holds fast at a four. The nose um this was my least impressive score and that's only because it was the least impactful piece of the total presentation um there is a, an ever so slight hint of pear brine peat and smoke but all of them are ever ever so slight it doesn't matter if i'm pouring it from one glass to another if i'm using a decanter or not i'm still only getting the slightest hint of that aroma and so for me the nose was where it lost its momentum um, and it got a 22 out of 30 there uh the palette however was the win for me and on the palette Mm. the palette is up there uh with the brine and mm, vanilla pops out malt custard 
Um, it's almost got a cream soda middle with this scotch and i am a huge fan of cream soda a good cream soda i'll pay five dollars for a cream soda just like i'll pay a ten dollars for a great milkshake a five dollars for a great cream soda is worth it to me and this has that body so that's where the win is 26 in the body uh the palette and then the finish is just a little bit below that i do feel like the finish is long and um throughout the nose the palate and the finish brine is absolutely there i enjoy that about it um the finish goes from that sweet vanilla to smoke and oak with an ever so slight hint of citrus sitting at a 24 so my total score uh for this scotch is a 29 now 10 minutes ago that's when I rated this, which was minutes after we opened it. And it may rise to the occasion, that's what she said, so to speak, over time, because I agree with Noah, this is a great scotch for summer. Now, here's where I'm really trying to elevate my scoring system. And when I think about it, would I take this to a poker game? Yeah, if it's the only thing on a shelf. Otherwise, didn't you pay 70 bucks for this? No, it was like 55. 55. So we'll say with tax 60. 60 bucks for this. In the $60 range, there's a lot of other sketches, scotches personally that I would bring prior to this. Um, but I would still, if this is what's on the shelf, I wouldn't hesitate to bring it to a poker game or share with some friends. Would I bring it to a black tie event? Um, I think there is something for me about black tie which follows suit if you will with tradition and for me the torah vague just isn't there yet give it some time i'm not trying to do something new this is not going with me to a black tie event you mentioned the friend piece again and i was thinking about that and uh if we had brian or if we had casey back on the show is this something we would jump off the shelf and tell them you have got to try this and for me that's a no um that's where i think for the friend piece it, it kind of breaks that piece as well as because i'll be like uh if you want to try something different yeah there might be some left in this bottle otherwise try the Dalmore, try the lagavulin try this obin um don't miss this ardbeg um this just isn't there yet it does have the potential but it's not there yet for me It's time for our shout outs. Man, my shout out has to go to you. Uh, a, a man. How do you say this in a positive light? God damn, a long race for Max Verstappen in the Australian Grand Prix. <laughs> Way to take your first victory in a tumultuous race in Australia in 2023. So Max Verstappen, well earned. Um, I mean, I think Honda has done you well. I know Red Bull has done you well. And I know you have done them well. So uh, cheers to you. I loved watching you drive. I think it was kind of weird because I was watching that live, uh, <laughs> and like when they did the red flag with two laps to go, holy first stop, and was like, "Why are they doing this? Like, why don't they just end the race? Like, finish the race off of that?" And uh, it was, and I think 
by them doing that, and I, I would almost say this is like a get it together to like the uh, was it the what whoever's the ruling <laughs> the board stewards, is. yeah, yeah, it's like why like with only two laps left to go, you're putting out a red flag, which means they all, they have to go reline up in the in the grid again <laughs> and then take off. And then when they did that, like Alonzo, who was in third place. Would have dropped all the way out, like maybe down to like I think eighth or ninth because of like of the wreck that happened and it almost wiped out like the whole field. Uh <laughs> and so because they didn't even make it past like the first section so that they bad. had to like do it again. Well, they didn't even like necessarily redo it again, but they had to go re like reline up in the grid and because they didn't make it past the first section, everyone had to like line back up in the grid that they were already in. And because of those like two or three cars yes. or whatever got like got destroyed, then those those guys who were I think it was uh who who were they? Uh, it was the pink cars. Uh Alpha. Yeah. So uh they they were like those guys were were not like they haven't been running it like they haven't done really well last year and then like this is the first time both of them are going to finish in the, in, in the first you know in the P ten and then now they both got knocked out <laughs> it was just like and then Alonzo would have like lost out on third but luckily since they didn't make it past the first uh, first section Alonzo at least got that like, keep the third place and I don't know I just to me I, I, with already two uh, red flags, a, a few yellows. It's just like at that point, like why even like restart it with two laps to go? Just like have them like finish it out in the yellow car and then uh, like the safety. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, safety car and just uh, on the yellow flag and just like end it and not like put anyone else in danger. Like, because when you group them all up like that, it kind of, you know, it's fun to watch, but at the same time, like, a lot of people got screwed. So tense. So yeah. tense. First thing I have to say laughing about it is, have you ever seen those uh, clips where they, like, show, like, Indy or NASCAR safety cars versus Formula One safety cars? <laughs> and, like, the Indian NASCAR <laughs> can be, like, a brand-new Corvette literally spinning out, <laughs> trying to, like, pace these cars. And then there's the AMG Mercedes uh, pacer car in Formula the one is like flying around corners at 110 <laughs> miles per hour not doing the 150 that the formula one cars are but still pretty damn impressive um hilarious to me all i can say is max verstappen this is my my true to heart feeling when this was happening is and i'm sure hamilton felt the same way god damn it two years ago this is how we're stopping one his first F1 championship and everyone was talking about it. And now he's feeling like this race win could be stolen from him. Guess what? You kept the win. There was a difference. You didn't lose, but yes, understand that is how Hamilton felt. And if you can learn and grow from that, man, you will be all the bigger man. If it ever happens to it's funny you, because the announcers were talking about oh, that. Oh, hell too. yeah. No, I know, but it was literally the first thing I was thinking before they were talking about it. And it's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> and like you can also see like we're stopping talking to his team about like what did Hamilton do like uh, on the initial uh on the on the initial like uh green light because he like he got beat out by Hamilton and Russell. Uh and so he was like really trying to like you know figure out, like, out. Uh, yeah, figure out how to uh how to block him and stuff like that. And he did a good job of blocking him on like on that restart. But yeah, like it was it was a total chaos Dude, going into that first turn or whatever it was. Oh, it was 
it is Formula One, and it is no one got seriously hurt. No, no one did. And that is the ultimate win. These teams have incurred. You look at these damages, and please understand, if you've never watched Formula One, hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage to the cars. That's not including That could have all been payroll. avoided. It could have all been avoided because <laughs> they all ended up in the same spot that they were in before. Right. But nonetheless, really, I think it's a grow moment. And when I say this, I mean it sincerely at the heart. Hamilton and Verstappen, please look at this and realize two years ago that Formula One World Championship was determined by a similar incident. And the difference was chance. It was not intentional. It was nothing else. It was uh, victorious moves. And had it been turned the other way around and there not been another red flag, um, Verstappen here would have lost the same as Hamilton did two years ago. So there is just that piece of chance and it is reality and it is history. And at the end of the day, when I'm at work, there are times when I have to do the same thing and I go home and I'm not happy and I have to be like, did I give it 100% whether or not I won? Yes. I'm still going home. Victories. Yeah. Uh, well, my shout out, I mean, that's a great shout out, by the way. That was fun to talk about. <laughs> we just talked about that way too long, man. <laughs> 15 so, minutes later. <laughs> so my uh, shout out, I have two of them. One is to uh, former President Trump. <laughs> Uh, for uh, ha- yeah, coming out and doing a speech and talking about like, um, if you're a supporter of his, if uh, if you're not doing well, don't don't uh, contribute any money to his campaign. Save that money for you and your family. Your family is more important. So I thought that you don't really hear about politicians really saying that. Usually they're all about like you know, give me donations, give me donations, give me donations. I think he's like one of the very few, if not the first, that said, hey, if your family's not doing well, don't uh, don't contribute to my campaign. And I thought that was really cool of him. And I then agree. my other shout out goes to Brian, who uh, has uh, has been like a kind of a uh, special co-host for us here, or, or repeating co-host uh, for inviting me out for a fun day. I had to go play some top golf with him and stuff like that, so that was enjoyable. And shout out to Casey because I saw her there at Top Golf, so uh, you know, shout out to her as well. Um, those are my shout outs. All right, get it together. Get it together. This has to boil down to the monetary policy uh, that our leaders are trying to pursue and not trying to take the lead in the global uh, economy or global currency race right now. Right now, we have the BRICS nations, uh, which are uh, Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China, and South America, as well as some others uh, that are coming together, and they're trying. They're on the verge of releasing a new global currency uh, or I guess uh, um, I want to say stable coin, but res- uh, global reserve currency for the BRICS nations, which at this case, that will be the death of the U S dollar. Um, and our, our politicians and our policymakers, uh, which could have had a lead in this and could have actually taken the lead and still be the global leaders of the currency wars. Uh, we could still be dominating, but they've been like shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to 
cryptocurrencies, uh, gold standards, and trying to hold on to the antiquated uh, paper fiat system. And uh, I think they just need to get their act together. Oh, my only get together is for anyone and everyone who was surprised that OPIC Plus reduced their output. <laughs> oh, wait. So there's another country, major oil producer, spending $10 billion to help China create a refinery in China. And now we're surprised that they're cutting down production for, well, I don't know, maybe a few years till that refinery is in full swing. Uh, yeah, that's my get together. And the funny part is both of our uh, get togethers actually are intertwined together. They are all about money. And then also, wait a minute. Everyone who hated Donald Trump for creating oil lines and helping the U.S. produce extra oil and doing X, Y, and Z, and now Biden is uh, allowing people to bid for refinery sites in the Gulf of Mexico and has reopened oil lines uh, across America. Oh, so, wait, where was the electric vehicle push? Oh, yeah, we haven't even gotten to the point where we're talking about all of the uh, children in certain nations, most of them uh, African or South American, that are dying because they're child labor, you know, helping mine these materials for our electric vehicles. Terrible. Republic of Congo. Just for those one of the many. Yes. One of the many. This week we went to The Rock. Yes, restaurant off of Smoky Hill. Hill. <laughs> yeah, I'm Smoky Hill, and I have no idea what the crossroad is. It's almost there by uh, the the mall. <laughs> yeah, when you pull in to the parking lot area. I kind of thought the uh, parking spaces were a little bit tight, or maybe it could have just been like it was full and like the like the first open spot I kind of saw was between these two big trucks, and so I didn't really want a chance with my vehicle. Um, Some things you want tight, not parking spaces. Exactly, for a car. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when you first walk in, I think this place is a little bit weird. It has like a family side and a bar side to it, and. Um, if you're not, it's, that's not something you t- you typically would see in Colorado, um, and I don't know. I thought it was a little bit weird, but uh, and even the bar area, like I wish you know the bar area seemed like it could have been a little bit bigger. I don't think it was like quite set up the way it, like the most proficiently uh, as there could have been, um, but it was a. Uh, I mean, the place is. It was kind of hopping for... Dude, it was busy as hell for a Monday night. It's five. (laughs) So most of the time, like uh, most places we go to on a Monday night, it's kind of bare. But this place was actually kind of full. Uh, They had a happy hour from four to six. We got there like right around five o'clock. There's a dollar off on uh, pints. Um, We got some chips and salsa for appetizer, which like the chips were a hit and miss. Like some chips tasted great. Some chips weren't so great. (laughs) The salsa, I wasn't a huge fan of the salsa. To me, it just seemed like it was like one of those kind of store-bought kind of salsas, but um, rather than like a freshly made one. the uh, I did get the uh, New York Mexican sandwich, or New York strip Mexican sandwich, I should say. And uh, basically, I mean, it, was, it tasted good. I liked it, um, but... 
I don't know. Maybe I think they should done a little bit more like a Mexi burger type of thing. But all it really was is like this thin, like a thin strip of New York strip uh, that was wrapped in a tortilla with like a green chili <laughs> top uh, on top of it with like a cheese and some lettuce and tomato uh, and some uh, sweet potato fries. It, it was uh, actually like the flavor was nice. I actually like the green chili and the, and the cheese and the sweet potato fries were very good. I liked that a lot. Um, I think maybe I probably should have gotten something different. Um, I wasn't disappointed, but it, I don't think it was like, to me, it's just like, uh, you should just give me the New York strip without the tortilla wrapped around it. <laughs> but <laughs> it is what it is. And uh, so um, as far as the, uh, this is like I guess uh, in our in our middle classification because it's not fast food, it's not like fine dining, so it's gonna be the middle area. Um, the food itself, I enjoyed it. I'm gonna give it a like a seven, like a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. Um, it wasn't like fantastic, and it wasn't like terrible. I, I think seven, like seven point five, would probably be a little bit better, but we'll just go seven there. Uh, the wait or the wait staff, they came around just enough. Like, uh, I didn't, we'd have to really wait or really ask for them. So I'm going to give that an eight. They didn't do anything like super impressive for me or anything like that. Um, the atmosphere, I actually kind of enjoyed the atmosphere, even though I don't really, I, like, I thought it was just like long and kind of like shallow. But, uh, I, I mean, if I want, if like, if, if I lived in that neighborhood, I can see myself visiting that area pretty, you know, frequently. So I give that about a seven as well. I think the real win here is I actually think they give you good value for the with the food that you get. I don't think the value is all that bad, but overall, I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Uh, would I take a first date there? Probably not. Not unless it's like on my way to go do something else. Um, when I meet some friends there, yeah, I could do that. I want to come back to that friend and date atmosphere here in a few moments, uh, and revisit that before we get to our smarter challenge, because I think that that is something that starting this next episode, I really want to revisit the scale for much like with our scotches, we've started to give them a score. I want to do the same for a restaurant on a higher elevated, uh, scale as far as where does this actually fall for us? Because the last several restaurants, restaurants, I have found myself in a conundrum of why would I take a friend there, but not a date there? Or why would I take a date there, but not a friend there? And we've had both in the last several weeks. So the rock restaurant and bar for me, um, I started with the rock climber IPA, uh, which is a living the dream brewery IPA. I believe it's right around 6.8 uh, ABV. Delicious. Hit the spot. Ready for it. Day off of work. I was ready for my first and second beers, which went great for me with the chips and salsa. Much like Noah, I had chips that were a 100 on the scale where I'm like, this is the best damn chip I've ever had. This is no normal chip. And then I had other ones where I'm like, this is not a McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen Raw with Eddie Murphy, but uh, 
those were those two quotes are coming from. And he's talking about just some of them are great and some of them are not. Uh, the chips ultimately were good. The salsa for me, unlike Noah, who did not find it a fan of it, I was getting giant chunks of there as they had on their menu stated a homemade salsa. I loved it. I dug it. The salsa was a win. The chips were 50 50. Uh, I went with uh, ultimately what came out was a steak burrito. As Noah mentioned, they call it one thing, you get another. It wasn't bad. Uh, it just wasn't great. The service was well done. Um, so an eight for a score on service, you got to remember, is that's high end. This is a middle range restaurant. It's not fast food. It's not high end. So it's following that middle range. Eight for a service. Food for me overall was a seven. Again, had all the chips been a 10, like some of them were and not a five like others were, that, that food score would have been higher. They definitely did well with the burrito. Um, with, you know, you pay extra for sour cream and guacamole, guacamole extra, so am I. So get over it. With that, though, uh, no problem there. Um, ultimately, the food, though, drops to a seven only because it was inconsistent. I don't understand why there was that inconsistency with the chips. Atmosphere. Um, ultimately a seven for me, you mentioned there is a bar side and a restaurant side, and there is no sight of the two co-mingling. And that to me was a detractor that took a little bit away from my total experience. Would I take a friend there? Man, this is where it gets tough. If it's the only place within walking distance, yeah, I don't know the area where well enough to say that I, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, but otherwise, just down the road one way or another, there are other places I'd rather be, even though the food may not be as good. The atmosphere and the total experience is better. And then the date experience is another piece that I'm really starting to consider. Um and, you know, we, we talked about the Sahara restaurant last week. Will we take a date there? Will we meet a friend there? And that's what really got this started to a next level, an elevated level to me is, man, it's not that anything was bad. It's not that I wouldn't go there, but it's not a destination for me. And that's the same with this place is if I'm going to this general area, I'll go take an extra 10 minutes, drive down the road to meet a friend or to go on a date because it's not like there's anything else there. It's not like there's a used bookstore where I might find a great Ian Fleming, James Bond book uh, and have to buy it or that there are other shops or uh, botanic gardens or anything else nearby. Um, it is a win for its regulars because it's the only thing in the area and it's not my area. But ultimately, overall, gets a seven, uh, which again, it's not a bad score. Um, it's kind of that middle range, but the end of the day, the difference between a seven and an eight or a seven and a six is it's not terrible, seven to six, and it's also not a destination, seven to eight. Smart All right, this week uh, we have a... Movie review of Dungeons and Dragons. Honor, Honor Among, Among Thieves. Thieves. Spoiler alert. Obviously, we're going to be talking about a movie. So if you haven't seen it, screw you. Maybe we just, just need to have that in the opening screen. Spoiler alert. Anything you see on here will fuck up any pre, you know, predetermined experiences. Uh, if you're yeah. planning to go to a movie that's about to come out. 
Yeah, never mind. Like, yeah, honestly, I was just joking. Like, not screw you. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it. Well, unless uh, you're a hot supermodel, right? Yeah, then, unless you, yeah, then he'll yeah, screw yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, I don't know. Where should we start with this? Oh, man. Okay. Let's start with the basics, man. This is okay. an old school Hasbro bought the rights to Dungeons and Dragons game. There was originally a movie series, a trilogy started in 2000, finished in 2012. This has nothing to do with any of that. Nor does it have to do with the role playing games. <laughs> right. That's my point. It's like, it's not has, it doesn't have anything to do with Hasbro games. It has nothing to do with the previous trilogy. This is not even a, a freaking reboot. It is an attempt to a, renew and it's interesting i do believe um that is the good premise of it is a an action adventure fantasy heist comedy (laughs) and that's literally how you should advertise it Uh, again no connection to the previous trilogy to start in 2000 and in 2012 no real connection to hasbro's Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, it's a role play game. It's a role and they play mean game. like dice, but let's play, let's face it, people are dressing up and playing the role. <laughs> Did you see some people like that at the theater? Oh my God, dude, it's great. I actually love that. I, I wanted to dress up like John Wick the first time I went to go see it and I didn't and I regret it. Yeah. And then they like the popcorn thing is like a, like a, one of those like 32 sided like rolling dice. Uh, freaking loved it i actually loved it and I'm, i actually I, think that's a cool looking like popcorn box i thing. never played the game but i almost bought the popcorn box I, I was just like day off not into popcorn at the moment <laughs> <laughs> the drink though the dungeons and dragons drink freaking terrible oh did you get that yeah it was t- 18 dollars with one dollar tip not worth it terrible <laughs> Literally $16 plus the tip, $16.50 plus tip. And I'm like, sip, sip. Damn. <laughs> Should have bought a rock star. So we have a, uh, and you probably you could probably do a better summary than me since you saw it today, and it's been a couple days for me. But uh, we have Chris Pine, who is a, a bard. Edging. Uh, huh? Edging. Edging, yeah. That's his name, but he's a bard. Uh, and then we have the warrior, uh, which is Michelle Rodriguez. Her name's Holga. What is a bard? Uh, the the guy who kind of plays the little thing and sings and kind of is kind of like a spy. There you guys go. If you didn't know it, which I did not before this movie, that was my only point here is what the hell? <laughs> uh, then you have the uh, the wizard. Uh, which is uh, played by Justice Smith, which is Simon. I wasn't a fan of that. I didn't think he was the best character for that. No, neither do I. Yeah. Uh, then you got uh, uh, Sophia Sophia Lillis as Doric, and I don't even not even sure what kind of character her she is. I'm gonna say, say call her like a shapeshifter, shapeshifter elf kind of thing. I'm gonna say, like the, the elf. I want to say a hot shapeshifter elf. She was yeah. the most attractive person in the movie. <laughs> And then you have Hugh Grant, who uh, is the, I guess, kind of like uh, one of the main, or I guess, I don't know if you call him like the uh, antagonist or the main bad guy, but he's he's right there. If he's not number one, he's number two bad guy. He's that number one asshole in the movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, his name is Forge. And I put it here off to the side of my notes, 
Lord Farquaad from Shrek. Because <laughs> that's what his character reminded me of. Totally dick. Total dick. Just got to say it. And then you got Disney uh, or Daisy Head, which in her like normal life, she looks pretty good. But as Sophia, the like red witch or red sorceress, she looked. Uh, she played the part well. She, yeah. And I actually thought she did, as far as an acting role, she had the best impact um second best to me was definitely sophia um with the shapeshifter and then third was chris pine but michelle like michelle rodriguez did a nice job too yeah and then you got uh i'm not sure how to say his name but uh red red reggie jean page or whatever red reg zenic yeah zenic i thought his character the as the paladin I thought he was going to be more involved, but he was only in there for like 10 minutes. It felt like it felt like his, his character was so like misused and it could have like, they could have done so much more with them. Absolutely intended for a sequel. Yeah. So, you know, it starts off with, uh, Chris Pine. He's like, kind of like, uh, or it shows him being a part of like some special guard or like a military unit that gets paid dick. (laughs) Like he gets like no money. We're so coming up a lot. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> like he gets like no money for him and his family. So eventually he uh, is like, "This sucks. I need to be able to provide for my family." Um, so he uh, steals. he steals a, a piece of gold. Damn it! And then the red wizards uh, come back, kill his wife. And then he hooks, and then he goes into a drunken stupor. Uh, doesn't really pay attention to his kid much. And then insert this is inserts uh, Michelle Rodriguez as Holga, who kind of like basically uh, slaps him back into into shape and takes care of the kid. And then they uh, hook up with uh, Hugh Grant, uh, Forge, and then they become like thieves and robbing people and stuff like that together. And their wizard at the time was Simon, who's like this uh, insecure whiny little bitch of a wizard yeah. that's i mean that's just my take but he finally finds his balls later on uh <laughs> he always had them he just had to find them and then and then they uh so basically it comes to the part where uh both Hol- uh, holga and edgen are in jail because they go to rob the place to get uh this uh piece of magic bark or magic wood piece that that will bring his wife back to life they get caught, and so now it's all about them trying to get his daughter back and and revive his wife. Basically, is that kind of like summing up? Okay, or am I missing some potholes here? That's no, you didn't miss any potholes. But yeah, it's the basic premise. Is uh, yeah, it's a love story with children, and that always complicates things when other males or females become involved. And are just as much, if not more, impactful than the original parent. I think it's kind of funny too, like in this in this movie here, is that I'm not saying it's not necessarily funny, but Chris Pine. <laughs> God damn it, Star Trek! Chris Pine doesn't really realize how much uh, Michelle Michelle Rodriguez's character means, and likewise, go. Michelle Rodriguez's character doesn't really realize how much Chris Pine's character means. And uh, um, I guess they kind of, they do discover it at the very end that they're actually kind of like a family. They do, but they also have it very uh, much as a blended family, whereas there is no intent for them ever being a couple. Yeah. 
I think it's funny though how uh, as you go through like uh, Mal, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character Holga, how she was married to this like midget dude. Dude, that is absolutely hilarious. Again, Shrek. <laughs> Lots of references to Shrek here, dude. The guy's like. I loved you until you wanted more than me. Wait, what? (laughs) God damn it, Minnie Man. (laughs) And then, you know who the Minnie Man was? That's the best part ever, is that it's played by Bradley Cooper, Cooper, one of the sexiest men on the planet, and all of a sudden he's cast in this role where, dude, nobody wants you. You're a fucking Minnie Me. God damn it, man. You are the least sexy man in this movie. (laughs) And then like, the, the like the person he found to replace Michelle Rodriguez oh was even God. worse looking, dude. But yeah, another giant compared yeah. to him. Like he's like, oh yeah, I can't even imagine. I'm just like thinking, I'm gonna insert my head to get you to feel something. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I could think, dude. I love you. <laughs> all right, so who's who's your favorite character? Oh, absolutely for me. Ah oh, man, it was it's tough. Um, my favorite character as far as he had the biggest impact was Chris Pine as Edgen, but my favorite character actually was Sophia Lillis as the shapeshifter Doric, um, just because she had the biggest impact and, uh, she really had this piece where from beginning to end, much like every one of them, you use the term character arc. She had this character arc where she had dated the magician that everyone hated myself. The soy boy. Yeah, soy boy. And then at the end, she's like, yeah, okay, we can try again. And, like, his biggest problem is he opens his mouth <laughs> at the end. Like, she's like, okay. And then he's like, yay. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> Not really like that. I'm, that's an over-exaggeration on my part. But that's the truth is she's like, dude, you're a winner, but you're fucking weak in the mouth. And there is a truth to being able to like support yourself fluidly with verbiage communication and verbal communication. He could not do that. And that was his opportunity. Yeah, so for me, I would say, you know, obviously Chris Pine is probably like one of the bigger characters that carries and pulls this movie, but uh, I think there's some parts where Chris Pine is Chris Pine and it makes it great, but then there's other parts where it just like he wasn't like, it didn't seem like he was like fully vested in it. Um, but my overall, f- I guess, the one character I found that was like most uh, entertaining for me, I want to say appealing or that I liked a lot, but entertaining wise to me, I thought uh, Hugh Grant did a fun job with his character of being kind of like a shady, like uh, friend as well as like uh, just kind of just being an all around bad person. And I just liked how he played his character. I thought he did a really good job of playing his character. Not to say that that was like the best good character, but I think as far as how he played his bad person character, I thought it was the most entertaining of them. Mm. All right, and I, I think that's why I kind of came up with Lord Far, Farquaad there because he was kind of goofy and and he was like really slimy and uh, I don't know, just kind of like kind of backstabby, but not one, not a character I would want to like emulate or want to you know try to like anything like that. 
His character arc kind of went in reverse order. It didn't get better. I think it got worse. The only kind of redeeming quality, I guess, of anything he had is he did take care of uh, Edgen's daughter, but the shitty part about how he took care of Edgen's daughter is he lied to her about like what, like why his, why uh, his, uh, her father was gone. But the one kind of thing I liked about what he said about, I don't, I don't know where he said it or who he said it to, but I think he, he mentioned to her, like, you make me want to be a better person in a way to kind of like uh, be that role model for her and stuff like that. So, and I think in a way it kind of like he saw her as like a, like a daughter figure in that, in a sense to where he wanted to provide for her, which I thought was kind of cool, but at the same time, he's like a total scumbag. So that he was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was your uh, favorite moment? I think my favorite moment is really as tragic. It's right at the end of the movie when Edgen has to decide if he's going to save Holga's Holga, Michelle Rodriguez's character or the wife, which was in the movie for minutes at the very beginning and his daughter and her moments of clarity saying you can't die i need you or what dis- make him it's not a decision anymore it's man my daughter needs this woman as a mother more than i need my wife who was not even as much of a mother to her and that was absolutely my favorite moment because it's fucking tragic but it's real so that would have been well that's that one it is my favorite moment as well so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep up my runner-up moment <laughs> runner-up moment runner-up moment because you stole my moment <laughs> it's just real um, it is i think it's like i, I think and that's the reason why i say like uh earlier when i was talking about like how they didn't know how much they meant to each other and i think uh, it kind of like took him looking at his daughter to show like his that his daughter saw her as a mother figure type of thing and I think that made him really realize like the impact that she had on both uh, his daughter and her and realize how much uh, she meant to him. Um, so I, to me, that was like the most uh, impactful and probably my favorite moment of the movie. I cried. Like I hate it. But my, my kids were there. <laughs> but my second favorite part of the movie or what I put as my runner up is when they're uh, talking to the, uh, to the parole board. Yes. And they're, waiting yes! For, is it, they're waiting for John or something like that. Or we granted you parole. <laughs> so he's like, yes. Oh, he's telling him about their, his whole backstory, and they're waiting for this John character. I think it's John. The bird. <laughs> yes. Come up and everything like that. And they're like, quit stalling. Why do you keep stalling? Like this guy is going to be delayed. He's not going to be here. And then finally, the guy shows up, and it's a bird, and there's a window, and they like tackle him to go have the bird, the bird man fly him out of the out of the jail. And as they're falling out, the the, the guys are like, "We just pardoned you." Yeah, I loved it too. That was, that was like great. one of the funniest and like kind of like. Uh, and the reconcile at yeah. the end was also comical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god, it's so good. <laughs> Uh, it's a good moment. I right. was laughing too. <laughs> uh, do you have a runner-up moment? Since, uh, uh, um, I think that would probably be it. Uh, 
Because it's just, it, it does reconcile from beginning to end and not trying to ruin the movie for everyone, but at the beginning of the movie when they are pardoned, but they go that extra mile anyway, that's reality and it's tragic, but it's real for people who have to live hard, which is you have to have a backup plan. And if you don't have the answer to the primary plan before the backup plan needs to take action, you take action and then ultimately your backup plan can backfire and impact negatively your original plan, but you couldn't wait. It's real. So they're waiting for this pardon. They never thought they would get. And then they have their escape plan. They enact their escape plan right before they get their pardon. And, and then, then it voids out the pardon. It voids out the pardon because they were idiots, but it's all real because at that point, like, how were they supposed to act? It's real, um, and I feel it. Uh, it's like, you know, I, I was talking to somebody at work the other day, and they're like, yeah, I had to get a new car, which means I had to start donating plasma. And I'm like, does that pay well? And he's like, yeah. The first month, I got $1,000. And every month since then, I've gotten 500 And then uh, it starts to build up again after six months because you can X, Y, and Z. And he's like, yeah, just go give them an hour every four weeks. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's like, yeah, I make $125 an hour for each hour every four weeks. And the first month I did it, I made $250 an hour. And I'm like, and yet you're working here for $18 an hour. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. You can only give plasma so much, I guess. Uh, right, but the point being is that's plan B, but it's also plan A at that point. Like, why would you ever stop? It's it's very interesting to think about you and I like you go and donate plasma and you buy a twenty thousand dollar car and you can pay off that car in two years if you just donate plasma for two years or you can keep working at your current job and pay off that car in six years and ultimately most people will choose just to pay off the car in six years but there are people who don't really have that choice. And pay it off another way. And it's just super interesting to think about what what are you really giving up to go give them an hour a week four times a month? It's just it was very eye opening to me. All right, overall uh, impressions of the movie. It was good, but not great. Uh, I'm not driven to go find a sequel. I thought it was fun. It was no Star Trek where Chris Pine was in it. There was no Cumberbatch being Khan in it. Uh, but it was definitely fun. Uh, not something I need to go see a second time in the theater. I agree. Uh, this is one of those ones where I think I had higher expectations for it uh, after seeing the previews. I thought Chris Pine was going to be total Chris Pine. Uh, and uh, I thought it was going to be like a really fun adventure to watch. But to me, it just almost seemed like everything you saw in the previews, it was like it was like the movie like rushed to go from one point in the preview and then to another point that you saw in the preview to another point in the preview. And I don't know, it just it didn't seem to flow as fun or as uh adventurous as i thought it would have been or could have been so i, I expect a lot more out of it but it just seemed like it was just kind of like dull points to get to like the highlighted points that you saw in the previews uh was it entertaining yes was it fun yeah but it wasn't like 
yes, this was a great movie. I didn't like. I didn't walk out of there like with some movies. I'm like, that's a great movie. I gotta go see that again. And I walked out of there like, okay, well, I saw that. It's done. Yeah, and that could change because John Wick Four. I walked out of it the first time. Like I should see that again. I walked out of it the second time. I'm like I need to go see that a third time. And I think that's just going to continue because it's it creates this different envelope of intrigue, which this one has not so far. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if they are going to make a sequel. Like I didn't really was. They have something there at the end. I don't know, I remember that at the end. And I say through the credits, but I don't remember well, anything impactful. Nothing except right at the end of the movie itself, where the uh, five minute man comes up and he's like, "Hey, let's go." <laughs> so we'll see what comes of the future. But uh, yeah, it was not. It wasn't a ten. No, it wasn't. All right. Well, that does it for this week's smarter challenge. Um, what is our next week's topic and watch? All right. So we're going to have a uh, non-official coin toss and Noah's going to decide our future. Uh, one will be, we will have the old Pulteney Hudart single malt scotch whiskey. The other, which we'll see when he decides one coin side versus another will be the Singleton Glen Ord 15-year special edition single malt scotch whiskey. All right. Noah, you can flip a coin or you can just say the word. Is it heads or tails? Uh, does the topic change? The topic does change. <laughs> what are the two different topics? That comes down to whether or not you pick heads or tails. Well, I don't have a coin to flip, so tails? Perfect. The only tail option was the mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> the heads, as if you had seen it on the camera, was the old Fulney. The tails option, the smarter challenge here is... See myths and monsters. So we've talked about Jaws. We've talked about Orca. And, you know, we have talked about these things, but things we haven't talked about are other ocean myths. So we've got the Loch Ness Monster. We've got mermaids. We've got all these great tales of ocean. And our smaller challenge is to uh, bring up our top three, and we can have as many as five. So five different tales we may want to bring up, but our top three and then our top one, which is why is this so intriguing to us? And what more have we found out about it? So doing just a little bit of research about mermaids or the Loch Ness Monster or uh, giant sharks, orca whales, whatever that may be. Um, it could even go as far as even though it's not so much an ocean thing, it is crocodiles versus alligators. Loch Ness, man. Loch Ness Monster. I agree with you, right? Scotland. Ah, oh, yes, Nessie. So with that... You know, what are our top three? What's our favorite one? What do we want to learn more about? And going from there, uh, the Scotch, you know, Singleton, we have always talked shit about their bottles. This one will probably be no different. But God damn it, they made a cool canister. And nothing has made me want a mermaid more. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, you guys. Remember, drink responsibly. Please continue to give us feedback. Uh, and uh, like, share, subscribe. Next week, Scotch, Singleton, Glenn Ord, C, Creatures, Myth, Mythology. And Noah, we'll pass it on to you. Oh. Uh, Anything else? No, that's it. All uh, right. So life is great. Life is great. And until next week, Scotchman. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.